Hey, welcome to Coffee Room Chronicles. Hey, K-Tom. Hey, E-Cat. We're back. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode three of Coffee Room Chronicles. <laughs> um, I feel like this week in the coffee room, it's so important that we introduce our very first guest of Coffee Room Chronicles, a good friend of mine. Hey, girl. Hey. Michelle. Yo, what's, what's the what? What's going on? <laughs> Welcome so, to Coffee Room Chronicles. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. No yeah, problem. Yeah. Anytime, anytime, anytime. Um, so, Shell, what's been going on in the coffee room? What did you see? Yeah. You know, for me, it's the shared space issue. Talk about it. You know, if I make it to the shared space first, I kind of plant my items in a place that means it's mine. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and you a lot of items. I do, you know, planners, computers, pens, great work to grade. And I may leave the shared space for a moment to go get copies, <laughs> get a beverage, but um, I come back and there's something missing. Someone has swapped my chair or slightly moved my laptop to the left. It's a shared space, but but when I go into that shared space and I stake my area, Your it face. should remain that way. Respect. <laughs> so you be conquering space. the copy room like they conquer the I iron have room. To. I have to. It's my space. And that's all I gotta say. You know, just just keep my stuff where it is. Don't touch my stuff. Okay. Ecat, mm-hmm. what happened to you in the copy room? What's up? Um, I feel like in the copy room this week it was broke down a okay. couple times because I saw the man. Mm-hmm. And we said good morning a couple times, so he came to fix some toner <laughs> or something. I don't know. But we might as well have had a a countdown in there because everybody was like, "Yo, three more days till break. Yeah, three more days till break." No, we do. We definitely need a poster next time. Yo, yes. That changes each time. <laughs> Okay, do you remember for performance training last year, we had, like, all the numbers and it was electronic? We need that for break. I think give people something to look forward to. I need. Um, copy room this week. You know what really blows mine? Okay, it's my so thing. Fun. If you want to interrupt my job on a copy Ooh. machine, wow. put it back. Start it back. So let's talk about this because I'm the queen of reprioritizing folks' <laughs> job. And I make sure that I do my due diligence. I didn't touch your copies this week, Kate Tom, but I do have etiquette that if I were to prioritize Yo, it, I will make sure your copies. I'm stopping. To come out. I'm stopping your job, Kate Tom. <laughs> Why? I have five minutes for my class starts. So stop, no, stop, so stop, 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 stop. Copies. Let's do the copies day before. No, no one has time for that. Yes. At four, at four fifteen, I'm not doing it. But also, like, I don't care if you stop my job. I get it because my copies are not for the day. But like. But, okay, time. Your copy be like three, four up. pages, though. It'd be staple every time. <laughs> and I just need a front back. Let's talk about it. I just need both sides. It's a package. All right. That's, Fair that's, enough. That's how I feel. And that's why I got stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like. You put it back. Yo, never. Put it back. So now, next time I see your job on it, I'm canceling Yo. it. Yo. I'm not even letting you know. I'm canceling it. So, right, um, I love it. Fair enough. So, Shell, we brought you on the show today to talk about something that you really specialize in. And I think it's so important to get talking about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we definitely want to talk about movement in the classroom. Yeah. Right? So yes. what does that mean to you? What does it look like to you? You know, movement is life um, for teachers and students. Mm-hmm. When we talk about movement, uh, a lot of people think that it has to be um, in a way in which children are like scattered around the room, this huge chaotic event. Movement is a cheer or a chant. Mm. Movement is raising your hand. Movement is taking notes. Movement is high-fiving your neighbor. So when we talk about movement, um, we need to think about it in a way that's like in your seat. Like mm. how do you get kids to move from their seats? How do you get them to move 
collaboratively with a partner or with a group or around the room. You just choose the type of movement that's most comfortable for you. But movement is, is everything for kids. But it creates so much controversy, right? It does. This, this fact that when people think about movement, it's with it, it comes with control and compliance because of this fear that, like, you are creating this chaotic event. As people walk by your room, they're questioning, like, what's going on in there. As a teacher, you know movement is a good idea in theory, but in practice, you're like, am I about to lose control of my entire classroom? And so as somebody who I've witnessed do movement, as somebody who does movement superbly, why do you think there's such a fear of it? Which is why uh, it doesn't happen. Like I said, it's a fear of controlling your kids. I'm sorry, like you said, uh, or losing control of your students. Mm-hmm. But more so, I think the fear is a lack of trust. You don't trust that they can move in a way that will um, not only bring joy to them, but will keep order. And so it's like, if you trust your kids and you let them know the expectations for movement, and then you can release them, but that trust factor is what plays a role in why people are afraid to let their kids move. Mm. That's tricky though, because you you know we have those instances where someone walks past the classroom, our kids are up out of their seats and our butts clench a little bit, right? And they yeah. clench a little bit because we don't want someone to come by and think, Especially if it's someone who's like observing you, right? Mm-hmm. Or like a leader in the school, like, what is going on in there? It's a zoo, mm-hmm. right? Or for you, sometimes you don't want to feel like, dang, how do I bring them back? We're having so much fun. But yeah. Like, where's yeah. the line? Yo, it's like, we all have that, right? Mm-hmm. Where that moment where, like, yo, they come, they coming in, the clipboards, you know, the clipboard moment. <laughs> clipboards, you know, the clipboards rolling through, you like, wow, you see people's backs straight, <laughs> clipboards up, you like, wow, they coming in here, come in. Yeah. But when you, when they do come in, that's when you snap them back real quick. That's when you go do your clap, do your, you know, chant, do something to bring them back just to let them know like, hey, it's movement, but I can reel them in real quick. Mm. So when you come through here and you need to say something or I need to introduce you, that's a great opportunity for you to in- introduce who these people are in the room. So when they roll through with the clipboard, I go, I may. We have some visitors in the room. We're going to continue to work. We just want to acknowledge their presence. Go ahead and wave to them, but we're going to continue to do what we're doing today. Mm. So just letting them know that the control is there. Just so that you can continue to do what you're doing in a way that allows you to be authentic in the activity that you planned. Because we know that activities with movement require a lot of planning, and you don't want to take that away from your kids for a five-minute observation from people you don't even know. That's real. Um, Can we get deep real quick? Yeah, let's go. So I feel like what came to mind, as you said, what you said, Michelle, is the fact that we have schools like Montessori schools. We have private schools. I went to boarding school, and I felt very free to move how I needed to move, right? But then if we talk about the demographics of the school that I went to, right? We going there, you can't. We going there, you can't. Okay, we're taking it there. Okay, so, (laughs) right, I went to a school that was predominantly white and there was never this fear of of movement or choice or independence. And so why is it? Well, I also think that comes from a place of compliance, right? So, like, we don't want black and brown kids to get up and move around because we can't Why control not? them. They can't control them. So, when you think about the majority in the classrooms, white women. 83%. Um, right? They can't control black kids up and moving around. So, they want to crack down on it by making all of these rules that don't really make sense and make our children feel confined and less than who they are. So, I, for me, that's where I feel like this idea of compliance and non-movement, sitting in your seats, pencil mm-hmm. in the groove that's where that comes from, right? Like, this lack of control. It's still, like, this slavery. It is, and it's this... dropping bombs. Well... And it's this fear of, like, children 
when we think about who children should be at this age, mm. it involves so much movement, so much use of your motor skills, um, a level of just innocence and childhood that I feel like every child is deserving of, yet our people don't seem to be deserving of. And mm. think about mm. when you were a kid, like how long could your parents keep you still in a seat? And I think that's where the um, where movement is so essential because it is developmentally appropriate for children. And so I appreciate you bringing up that point. If um, you are a teacher and you are your job is to not only teach your content, but make sure you're teaching in a way that's developmentally appropriate. You have to get past your fear of black bodies and black movement and policing of those bodies because that's really what it is. You want to police your classroom in a way that exerts control mm-hmm. by saying you can't move. You can't get up out of your seats. You can't do this. You can't do that. That's all policing. That's the same language we hear in those, you know, militarized classrooms, the same language we hear on the streets. Mm. I think the scary part of it is in the subconscious, right? Because Mm. I don't think any teacher is going in with this mindset of, I want to police. I want to control. I want this. I want that. But in the actions that they exert or in choices they choose to make in their instruction or how they teach, Right, this subconscious thing of like not allowing it, which I think is. I, I mean, know, it could be a part of the subconscious, um, but more so, I think that it's fear of getting. I'm not sorry, a fear of of being looked at like you don't have something, mm. right? So it's like you have this fear of someone coming in and watching you. You have this fear of the ch- children not trusting you and believing that you can do your job well because they're so used to this culture of control. And so it's like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? You panic. You say, sit down. Stop. And so with that panic, that's that fear coming to fruition. And so, yes, it may be a subconscious thing, but uh, it's it's a, it's a choice to yell at a kid to, to stop and sit down. Like, that's a choice. It is. Conscious. Um, I think it's so interesting. Like, I love coming to your class and I love what you do with the kids. But I just want to know, where did that come from, right? Where did this idea of movement start? What's the story, Michelle? Yo, what what happened? What makes, you dope? <laughs> what makes me dope? Oh, you can ask my students that. You don't even ask me, but if I have to, you know. Um, let's see, let's see. Well, it started when um when I was an intern teacher, mm-hmm. and I used to bring a lot of props into the classroom, and so I would bring like big letters and fishing rods and like fishing rods, fishing rods. <laughs> like you, I'm telling you, like just like little toys basically like that would help engage the kids because they wanted to play with them and so what I noticed is no matter if it's one student moving or all 30 kids moving it brought an element of joy to the class that I've never experienced before and so when the kids you know you have the anticipatory set or the hook when they saw that stuff in the front of the classroom it was like yo what are we doing today what are yeah. we doing today and so immediately I saw the behaviors that could be considered um frustrating for most teachers the calling out the blurting the yelling the, um, just the, a, a child's need to just have their own agency, right? I fall that, saw that, like, falling to the wayside. Like, kids were just like, uh, I really don't really care about me. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this community. Like, I want to connect with what's going on in here. And so, as I began to plan more activities like that, my management, like, my need to manage children went lower and lower and lower to the point where it's really rare that I had to write a referral it's rare that I have to actually put a student out of the classroom because they want to be in there due to some type of movement. Someone's going to get a chance to actually um, explore the material in a way that's developmentally, appro- developmentally appropriate. 
because that's really what pep is. Pep is all about movement. It's about diminishing um, control and compliance and replacing it with like joy and connectedness. And so when you think about movement in, in the way that I think about it, it's just a way to allow people to be. It's like this peaceful thing that, yes, can be really loud or it can be really, really quiet. Mm-hmm. But it just depends on how comfortable you are with movement and how you want to express the movement in your classroom. What? Because you've thrown this word like pep out. Yeah, yo, yo, so yo. Like, for the listeners, can you explain what pep is? Yo, okay, so you you ladies know, but I call my classroom paradise. Um, and so I came up with the concept a couple years ago when I was teaching in Houston. It was a school that could be considered chaotic. And I just noticed that the kids needed joy they mm-hmm. needed love they needed peace and so when i think about peace i think about the beach mm-hmm. and so that's immediately when i came up with um with paradise and then from there it was like paradise educational products where it's a business that allows teachers to kind of connect with me and the what's happening in my classroom and just take those tools and use them in whichever way they feel necessary um one of the big parts of pep is the remix Right. So you see a pep activity and you're like, this is cool, but I want to remix that. Mm -hmm. Of course, remix it like Sprite back in the day. Like (laughs) I love remix Sprite, you know, like it's nothing wrong with the original, but there's nothing wrong with a just an adaptation to make it. um... Yeah. So it's like, you know, just a quick remix and adaptation of the activity. So we're not saying that this is the best, best way to do it. This Mm -hmm. is an option for you. Um, You just flip through and pick what you want. Uh, it's just a way for teachers to have a tool because engagement can be difficult. You spend so much time planning your lesson. You really don't have uh, a lot of bandwidth left to plan engagement. So something we say at PEP is like, you worry about your lesson and we'll take care of the engagement. Mm. We'll take care of the movement. We'll take care of um, that physical activity that is so needed for kids today. I just want to put out there that um, Michelle's like a veteran teacher, like in the game for 10 years. How long did it take you in mm. your practice for this, like, to click to you? Oh, uh, man, it took at least four years. It took to my fourth year to, like, really make it a staple in the classroom. So it was a lot of, like, tearing down what I had been taught because I did go to school to become a teacher. I was in education programs that told us to be strict, mm. to, like, not really be ourselves. And so it took me a while to dismantle that and actually see, well, what is a stopping me from connecting with my kids. Oh, they're not getting what they need developmentally. So how do I bring that into the classroom? Great question. So for other teachers who are thinking of incorporating PEP in their classrooms, right? When, from your experience, is the best time to incorporate movement? Oh man, okay, so it's really um, based on your personality. And I always ask like, how comfortable are you with movement? Mm-hmm. And so if people are like at a one, all right, your movement needs to take place in your seat. If you're like at a five, group work movement, you know? So it all depends on like your comfortability. And I don't want people to think that they should just, oh, I need movement, so I'm going to go for this super active, you know, every kid out of their seat. Yay! And then we're never moving again, And right? you know, and so you have to, it, it takes steps. It takes steps. <laughs> but it also takes expectations. And so mm-hmm. before you introduce any type of movement, whether it be from their seat or around the room, the expectations have to be set and kids need to know like this is what this is. Um... But to get back to your original question, I think that if you want to start with movement in your classroom, a great way to do it is right before independent work. 
right so for me a beginner would be like right before independent independent work where they get a chance to collaborate with one another and then after they move they get to sit down and actually take their ideas that they had originally and then take the ideas that they learned from their um their teammates it's really important that kids get a chance to collaborate in every class because we say the answers are always in the room that includes students and so getting them to interact with one another and say, hey, y'all had your time to talk. Y'all had your time to move. Now it's time to work. And so a lesson cycle that I always push is kids have to think, write, move, and then work. So following that order um, has definitely allowed kids to really engage with one another and with the lesson, get what they need developmentally, and then show out when it comes to that independent work time. Um, for those people who like might push back on this or feel like it's only applicable to a certain content, what do you say? Uh, to those of you who believe that uh, movement uh, is an option, it's not. Uh, movement is a right for children. Movement is a right for black and brown children. And those are the um, schools that cater to black and brown children are the ones who say that they can't move enough. And to you, I say they have to. It's a right, it's not a privilege. And it's something that must be incorporated in your classroom you truly want kids to grow and learn, then you know that they need to move. Um, okay, so now we're going to our PD segment. Yo, and I'm yo, so yo. happy we have our specialist here. Yes. So just for our people who are just starting with movement in their classroom, right? So think about the teacher who's at their fourth year or think about the teacher who's at their first year. Mm -hmm. um, can you just give them some sort of PD on an engagement strategy that'll give them a little bit of movement or maybe a lot? But just something they can do to increase student movement. And doesn't feel like, because I think also with uh, movement is like, oh my God, something else to plan for. Mm. And mm. I think that also, besides like compliant, aiming to have compliant children, I think a fear of having to plan something else. But I've watched you work and I've seen how like effortless or seamless you're able to include movement in your classroom with a, without a lot of extra planning. So. All right. So. I appreciate the question and the opportunity to share just some small tips that have helped me. Um, if you're an artist or you believe in art, then movement is art. Okay, so uh, just to clarify, when you think movement, you think about you know kids getting up out of your seats. But one qu quick way, if you are new to movement in your classroom, is just a sketch, right? Mm -hmm. And so you are going through, uh, say they they've discuss something in class and they've written down their answers, you can ask them to just draw a circle next to their answer choices. Um, and I'm sorry, next to their written work. And from that, you say, hey, inside of the circle, if you got it right, you're gonna sketch a little smiley face. If you got it wrong, you're gonna do a straight face. Um, and then if, you, if you're really, really confused, you could do like a sad face and like a little help me bubble, thought bubble. You know, it's like, just allowing them to interact with it in a way that l lets them smile just a little bit. And so that's movement, literally taking their pencil in your hand, make, drawing a circle. And it also allows kids who have that artistic ability to have some type of release. Mm -hmm. The arts are leaving schools and ha if not have left most schools. And so incorporating that as movement helps as well. Um, it's really low level. You're literally just walking around the room and seeing like, oh man, I got a lot of sad faces up in here or yeah, kids really succeeded on this. So it's movement, but it's in a way that I think is manageable for anyone at any level. Um, what about you, Rika? Um, Something I love to do in my class, I do it frequently, is gallery walks. Mm. Because I feel like with social studies, it's so easy to just be a mouthpiece. 
and just talk and talk and talk at kids when in reality they can get the same information by walking around the room and looking at a couple posters and taking notes. Because um, I find myself doing that often, but I think Michelle makes a good point around setting expectations, right? Like kids need to know what's being expected of them, not only academically and what work you want them to produce, but behaviorally. And I think it also brings upon agency when you put it on the kids to be like, well, what should this look like as we, we do that? So incorporating them into like, the behavior expectations in movement also allows for it to go a lot better. Yeah, um, for me, so I teach science, and the kids have to move around in science. You have to explore, like that's what science is, is like exploring, figuring something out, and then fact-checking it through research. But mm-hmm. one thing that I do to get kids to move around, especially during like sh- high stress periods like testing, is just two minutes. Um, talk time with friends and that's actually a phrase that I stole from y'all like and I stole it from Michelle (laughs) but it's been so helpful and so you set up um, I literally sat with the kids one day I'm like y'all are stressed out I'm stressed out and before I bark at y'all let's write up a contract real quick because I I feel like y'all need time to just do what you want to do because you don't get that anywhere Mm. and so because even recess is policed a little bit right Mm. there's certain things you can and cannot do so I was like let's write up a contract what do you need from me in Mm. order for class time to be successful and they're like Miss Thomas can we just talk like, we don't get to talk. Mm-hmm. No problem. So, I'm going to give you two minutes of talk time with friends. You can get up. You can move around. You can do whatever. And they're like, oh, we need that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, but if you don't come back to your seat, when you see that timer hit zero, what do I get? Right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. how does this work out? Because this is an exchange. And they're like, well, we have detention. Or you can give us a deduction. Or, mm-hmm. like, we can get a zero on our assignment for something like that. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. yeah, so the kids just get two minutes, and then at the end of that, they run back to their seat. And it just, class has felt so much better mm. after that. So I'm, that's my example of movement, and it's non-academic. So, yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Um, Michelle, you never really quite to- told us what you teach. And, like, I don't know. I believe in you. I believe in PEP. We've been friends for a long time, so I've really seen this dream come to fruition. But does can PEP be in every single class, no matter the so I know that was like a twofold question. So like, what do you teach? Tell us a little bit about more about who Michelle is. But then, can I answer the first question first? Class? Yeah. Uh, uh, Pep is applicable to any classroom, um, and not a, not only a classroom. If you are a after school teacher, before school teacher, um, you're a member of your turf community, and you're working with kids. As long as kids are moving in a way that allows them to express themselves and engage with the content. You can use PEP in your classroom. It is not specific to any particular content. Um, and so for me, if you want to little, know a little bit more about Michelle Randall, too hard to handle, <laughs> uh, you know, I am a fifth grade ELA teacher um, and I've been teaching for nine years. I've taught, um, okay, deep in the game. you know, I, I've taught in, in three states. So coming from three states, all in urban schools, um, I never lost my love for teaching because I never uh, lost my love of kids and what they need. I entered into education knowing that kids needed to experience school and not just go to school. Mm. And so the experience they get in paradise, Put and, that on a t-shirt. you know, <laughs> yo, yo, I need to, yo, don't, K, K- Tom, don't, don't copy me now. I, uh, all no, rights we'll, reserved, we'll one. you know, yeah, like, one. all rights reserved. <laughs> yeah. So kids need to experience school. And what's, what's a memorable experience for most kids is when they were moving, when they were talking to their friends, when they were able to just be a kid. 
and especially in the middle school classroom kids are going through a huge change in life and they need an opportunity to grow and learn in a way that is joyful because joy is not always something that is a part of our communities and they deserve to experience that at school and as a teacher as the chief of chance as a, a joy enthusiast as just a woman of color who believes in black and brown children and all children but particularly my own um they must love school in order to become who they want to become because they have to know the basics and uh as just a, a woman who cares um who has dedicated her life to this work i want other teachers to know that you know joy is for you too it's not just for the kids you can um bring joy to your classroom just with small steps so that you stay in the game so a big part of pep two is like just giving teachers a way to relieve some of their stress um to bring some peace to their world and connect with kids uh so that they too can have a joyful experience and uh what pep hopes to bring is just joy for teachers uh they deserve a joyful experience as well and and teachers have kind of ex experienced like this attack over the past few years like they're not doing their jobs well and they're the reason why uh schools are failing and that's just not the case i've never ran into a teacher who didn't work extremely hard and who didn't want to be better and so pep is for you if you want to be better and you want to grow and you want joy at work and you want peace at work and you want to really connect with kids then pep is something you should try because it definitely allowed barriers to be broken down and relationships to be built from that and um that's, yes. yeah, you know that's what pep <laughs> is it's for you too it's for teachers and students it's, it's, a, it's a common ground yeah you know love it do you have any teachable moments like when was a time where you didn't allow kids to move around right mm. and like how did that help you develop pep mm. and this passion for movement in the classroom yo that's that's a great question um i went to a school where i was hired at a school that um there had been four teachers uh, who quit before i came oh I, I started the school in january they yeah and um i didn't allow the kids to move and i was trying to go with the the way that the school had told me to you know don't smile don't get to know the kids you have you just have to get them ready for this test you just got to get them ready for the test and i could not connect with those kids mm -hmm. it, it there was no it was it wasn't possible and until i started adding movement i started allowing them to like talk to one another and move around the room and like write positive notes to one another on the desk and just really allow more of me to come out i was able to connect with those kids but it took me three months of doing it the wrong way to learn the right way and then after you know, four teachers, it was just like once you did what you did and you saw it worked, it was like, I now need to spread this so everybody. Yeah, like it was like, because it was a difficult campus to work at. And it wasn't until I allowed Pep to kind of like come up like, no, you need to let them move. Like their way isn't working. Mm -hmm. This way of like control and compliance isn't working. And you're not giving up on these kids. So what do you do? Y'all can talk at the end of class oh, we're going to move and do this activity, but let me tell you the expectation. So that was kind of the breaking point where I was like, no, and that's when the rocket launchers came in. Uh, <laughs> Easter, buzzers. Yeah, the buzzers, Easter <laughs> celebrations, like holiday celebrations. Like once we started celebrating each other and the fact that I wasn't leaving mm -hmm. and they knew I wasn't going to leave and I was like, oh, let me just be me a little bit. And once I became more of me, 
more of myself. That's like when Pep just was like, yo, like, come on out here. It like, came out. It I came out. what makes this so powerful is just this is probably one of my favorite core values, but this idea of authenticity, mm-hmm. right? That Pep was born out of realizing that in order to really be a successful teacher, you need to be an authentic teacher. Mm-hmm. And when you stop trying to be somebody else or mm-hmm. be this thing on paper that, mm-hmm. I don't know, when you become a teacher, they want you to subscribe to and you're just genuinely you, right? It's a game changer. I feel like, we all know, having been in this practice long enough, that kids are not going to remember everything you taught them. But they will remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. They will remember the relationships. Like, Correct. I get the pleasure of teaching Michelle's first class of kids, and they <sighs> rave about you two years later, right? And so they probably can't tell you what they learned in writing class, but <laughs> they will tell you how you made them feel. So I think it's just so powerful that you're able to do that um, and just Thank be authentically you. you with kids. Thank you. So for our wellness segment, we're going to end our episode with some tips for some people because I think as important as it is to get students to move around, we need to move around too before we are dry and rusty. So (laughs) what wellness tips do you have, Ikat, Shell, what wellness tips do you have for teachers? Um, I'm going to take this one first because maybe if I put it into the universe, I'll actually do it. Okay. Um, I need to go to a workout class, y'all. It's been a minute. Summer's coming. Okay. I'm being a lot more slow than what I used to be, okay? Not as quick on the feet. So I'm really trying to go to a cycling class sometime soon um, because it's something I enjoy in movement. Even though we don't like going to the gym or working out, once you do it, you feel really good afterwards. Totally agree. Um, so that's probably my wellness tip for this week. Um, you know, for for a, a woman who used to work out, um, <laughs> trying to get back on that, not, not yet. So you can't, you know, maybe not now but maybe later i'll take that wellness tip uh (laughs) i'm gonna start small you know and stretch breaks have always helped me just kind of reset you know like rolling of the neck you know a little arm up behind the neck (laughs) the fact that you're acting it out for us you know just like a little (laughs) rolling of the shoulders you know something just allows you just like reset take a deep breath um and just move your body in a way that just allows not for too much but just enough movement to um, kind of give yourself like a physical reset for the day. Okay, and my wellness tip is as teachers, we can become really comfortable just staying in one part of the classroom, right? Like that's mm-hmm. our nook and our cranny. Walk around, y'all. Put your iPhone in your pocket or a drawer if that's what you're doing. Um, <laughs> put your iPhone in your pocket and like literally walk around your classroom because your phone counts your steps. And so you want to increase your movement, just like get your blood flowing in your body all the time. Make sure that you're walking around. Every kid should feel you next to them Mm. throughout class time. And so that is my wellness tip for you. That's good because when you circulate too, you really get, you know, when somebody wants to act up or act out, you can just swoop in. Yeah, you know, proximity. Okay. I'm everywhere. Okay. Especially, oh, and also during like state exams and stuff, you know you'd be bored. So just put your phone, you can't have your phone like on, but put mm-hmm. it in your pocket and just walk around. That's really a good time to get your steps and use before you notice that you'll have like a mile under your belt just walking around your room. So awesome. thank you guys. Yes, yes thank, thank you, you, Michelle. We're so happy to have you. A you pleasure know. to um, be here. Wait, how do we reach you? Like <laughs> yeah. how can the people get in contact with you or learn more about what you got right. going you on? Because you're a consultant for classrooms. I okay. am, I am. You so if you what, tools, tools and toys tools. for kids um, and teachers. Uh, if you want to reach me, you can reach me at paradise.educational.products.com. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Shelly Ellie 86 you know. <laughs> um, 
But really, if, you, if you're really looking for solutions, I am here to help. So just reach out by email. Let us know what you need, what you want to remix, and we'll remix it for you. We'll, we'll create the vision with you so that you can um, just have a, a joyful experience at work for you and your kids. And Michelle is so humble. There's one thing that she didn't mention, but the kids love it so much. So she's going to close us out with one of these, but she is the grandmaster of cheers and cheers. Yes. One time for the you one know, time. Can you yes. please give us one? You know, yes. I don't, you know, chance like that are just like cheers and chances for people not just for one person but you know just a quick chant that i learned you know it's it calls kids back to uh to order the you say i go which means may i speak and then the kids say i may so i go i may i go i may i go 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 Thanks, Michelle. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye, y'all. See you next week. Bye. Thanks.